This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with you, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, we are just uh, a day and a half plus away as we have this discussion about Vikings and Eagles. How are you feeling about this matchup as we walk ever closer to this big game? Well, I don't really know if I have any personal feelings about the matchup. How do I feel personally? I'm really freaking tired this week. It's been nuts. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it took forever to recover Sunday night from the from that crazy, insane ending where, you know, I think, you know, as journalists, those are moments that you want. Like, I mean, you, you can't prepare for them, really. You, you just have to, like, make sure that anytime you're given an opportunity like that, you, you run with it and you make sure you're doing it to the best of your ability. So I think that really took a lot out of me taking me more time to recover from that than I think the Vikings. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Mike Zimmer started off his press conference on Monday by ripping every one of them. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I think that uh, uh, unlike our bosses who wanted more of the Minneapolis miracle, I think the Vikings boss wanted less. So one thing we did yeah. last week that I want to do again is go position by position, talk about who has the advantage and the, the place to begin, Courtney, is with these quarterbacks. I think we've talked about Case Keenum enough for the Purple Podcast listeners to uh, know where we stand on Case. Um, but Nick Foles, do we think that Nick Foles is either better than he's getting credit for, just right, or is he worse than maybe he even looked last week? Well, I mean, the second half of that game was a completely different Nick Foles leading those, those both of those drives that were over 70 yards to score. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's the Nick Foles that they hope they're going to get this week. But you don't – if the Vikings get out and score and if Case Keenum can, you know, rely on the run and, and to take some pressure off of him early because you know that's not going to last. I know that Mike Zimmer said – you know, I think the team that wins uh, the game is going to be a team that runs the football better. Well, okay, that's, you know, you might want to rethink that statement because take a look at your run defenses. So I don't actually think that's going to be accurate. But 
um, you know, the Vikings are, you know, their mindset is, again, like the Saints, they have to get out early. They have to have a drive where it's Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, uh, some combination of McKinnon and Wright, and then, you know, Latavius Murray or, Wright, or McKinnon finishing it off, like what happened on that opening drive last week. Um, Nick Foles, I mean, the way that they beat Nick Foles is making him play catch-up because I don't think – you know, we're going to see him be able to play from behind when it's not, you know, a field goal fest like it was early on last week. Um, the, the thing that's been cool this week in tracing both of them is just, you know, basically it's like hand Pat Shermer a job. I mean, we know he's going to the Giants. Uh, all, all signs indicate that. He didn't deny it yesterday when asked. But, you know, all the film that he has on – Case Keenum from this season and being the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia uh, during the 2013 and 14 season when he worked under Nick Foles at 2013 season, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, we may never see that version of Nick Foles again, but who's the man responsible for is being the guy on the other sideline. So, you know, it's going to be a tough game, I think, for Nick Foles because of the amount of pressure. And he's been okay under pressure, like just statistically speaking, but he hasn't attempted a pass over 20 yards since he got there. It's been a very quick, methodical attack. But the Vikings are going to put so much pressure on you to force you to get that ball out even faster that, you know, I don't know if they can rely on their running backs the way that Drew Brees did, uh, you know, to start getting some quick passes out of the backfield, start the screen game, you know, some quick throws to the flat. Um, that's going to be tough for the Eagles. And I, and I think it's tough – for the wide receivers to create separation too, that mm -hmm. at times you saw them against the Atlanta take a step or two. And then, you know, on the quick slant, they would have that inside leverage and you see Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayans are such great athletes that they rarely give that up. And the other thing I could see too, is the Vikings, they're going to make Nick Foles throw a deep, which probably means having Harrison Smith or Anderson Dejo, assuming he plays, having them up in the box all the time in those throwing lanes for those quick slants and make that very difficult. I would say that I do think that the team that runs better, even though it sounds cliche, will end up having the better offensive attack. Um, but I would also say that you know when we talk about who has the advantage in this matchup, I think the cornerbacks are the deciding factor where the Vikings just have two better wide receivers than Philadelphia has corners, and the Vikings have two better corners than any of the Eagles wide receivers. So advantage Case Keenum. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And jumping back on Foles, I mean, is he really going to start attacking Andrew Sandejo or really Harrison Smith first? I mean, that's, that's the only one I need to know. That's not going to end well for him. Um, you, know, you, you mentioned, I mean, the deep ball accuracy, inaccuracy rather, is is so huge because he struggles trying to get the ball downfield, which is why you haven't seen it. Um, the only thing, I mean, I think that Alshon Jeffrey is going to be involved in a much quicker screen game. Um, you know, I know that they're going to try to make him throw it deep, but that's just not, that, that's not how they won the game last week. It was a methodical attack of moving the team down the field in quick fashion with shorter passes. So, I would anticipate some of that and the receivers having to adjust to that. But as you said, I mean, you have, you know, yes, Xavier Rose has had some issues with Alshon Jeffrey in the past when he was with the Bears. And, you know, Trey Wayne's had a relatively, I'd say probably a quieter game last week, um, but they were all banged up. I mean, Terrence Newman got burned 
Uh, once Rhodes had to go out, Newman got burned on that touchdown by Michael Thomas. They're trying to make sure these guys are not dropping like flies like they did on that one series um, with Sandejo and Rhodes. So, you know, that to me, when I look at that, that's going to be probably one of the better matchups to watch just because you're going to want to see how the Vikings DBs try to pick apart these wide receivers because they know that on paper they own that matchup. So we uh, agree that Case Keenum uh, has the decided advantage over Nick Foles? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I probably guess I should have specified that a little bit more clearly. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the best thing that – I love about this game is that the whole notion of playoff experience out the window, like we don't have to talk about it anymore because, you know, I've been asked this on several radio interviews the last two days, like what did playoff experience do for Drew Brees? Well, he had a minute and 29 seconds to work uh, and he did it very effectively. And, you know, yeah, he, they got stopped on that big third and one, but he also converted before that in fourth and 10. Um, and, you know, before, you know, to, to kick the field goal, you know, you still gave him enough time to work. And, you know, that's the most important deciding factor. But at the end of the day, Case Keenum made the biggest throw of his life. Like, does playoff experience really matter all that much in those type of moments? I don't think so. We won't have to hear about it anymore. Yeah, I think Drew Brees probably made those throws because he's freaking Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. That he didn't um... – choke or anything like that because he's been there and he's not going to he's got a ton of experience doing it and didn't panic at all when it was fourth down and 10 or and that was the thing about you know the vikings defense well are there some holes there that was a question i got asked like uh no not really that's just drew Brees being the greatest and um i actually ended up feeling a little bad for drew Brees. i know that the vikings fans probably don't agree but you know when you see a guy put on a Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter performance and then doesn't win. It's like, oh, and well, he's, he still deserves credit for that. Like Teddy, when Teddy led the potential game-winning field goal drive and Blair Wall shanks it, you go, oh, come on. Man. Exactly. He, he led the game-winning drive. Um, I think we should put the running backs and offensive line together. Um, okay. be, because both teams are going to run the ball so much that I, I think – if you put them together and it's such a huge part of it, I think the Eagles have the advantage here with after they added Jay Ajayi from the Dolphins, he's been so good and their two linemen, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are excellent. What they do with them, moving them around so much, getting them to the second level so quickly. I I think this is one area where Philadelphia is better than Minnesota. Yeah, and I think the you know the Eagles front seven is going to be tough, like going against the Vikings running backs. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to be an easy matchup whatsoever, especially you know with how much they rotate on the defensive interior, like with Fletcher Cox, like you know leading the way there, ninety percent of snaps last week. I mean that's that's tough. Um, you know I don't I just I don't know why. Like maybe maybe I'm just crazy, but I just don't think either team is going to have that much you know, success at running the ball. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I mean, you take a look, like, you know, the Vikings are three, 3.1 yards per carry in, in the divisional round last week. I mean, I don't. that's not going to get it done. I don't know if you're going to get that number, to be quite honest with you, against this, against this Eagles, you know, front seven. But then again, like, you know, the Vikings have, you know, the, yes, the Eagles are number one run defense, but the Vikings are just behind them. I mean, right. It's that's the strongest aspect of both of these teams defense, because, 
you know, in the regular season, the, the Eagles, I want to keep calling them the Saints, the Eagles' uh, pass defense was, you know, top 20. Like, it really wasn't that good. Um, so I, I just think, you know, when you're talking about pitting strength against strength, that's the unit that I, I zero in on is, like, how are these guys going to stop guys at the line of scrimmage and try to force them back? And, you know, that's why I think ball security, if we talk about it, is going to be so critical this game because the margin for error you have here with, like, one turnover too many could be the end of this game. I mean, the Vikings learned that the hard way in 2016 uh, when, they had, when they fumbled three times. Um, so that's going to be huge. And, I mean, it's up to the offensive line. I mean, you can't expect them to have – hold their protections without getting a hold like you know that nine second Case Keenan was clean for nine seconds in the pocket last week in the mm-hmm. first half that was kind of crazy but um you know it's going to be really tough and you know I think that's a great matchup too I mean both of these defensive lines going against these offensive lines and the Vikings now you know you would assume given what Mike Zimmer said yesterday that Rashad Hill's going to be back at, at right tackle and that Mike Remmers will stay at left guard but, um, you know, they, they didn't have their best day keeping Case Keenum clean. Uh, that sack took them out of field goal range last week. So you hope that, you know, for their sake they've learned from it and that they've been able to make adjustments. Because you know, at the end of the day, too, I mean, anybody's going to go home crying after you face Cam Jordan. So you really can't fault Rashad Hill for that all that much. Yeah, he's not going to have any easier of a matchup this time around if he's facing Brandon Graham. Although they they move him around, yeah. and Long comes in, and Barnett comes in, and, and they just they, they do a lot of different things with that defensive front that could cause some problems. So, how much confidence should we have in the Vikings' offensive line? You know, I thought it was going to be worse last week. To be quite honest with you, um, I think some of the things, the sacks, like you know, Keenan might have waited a little bit too long to get rid of the ball that, you know, when I take a look at this offensive line and how, you know, how uh, the interior, like you needed, you know, it's, it's why I don't think also that there's going to be a change um, on the, like why I think the lineup's going to be the same essentially from left to right, because you want your stronger guard in there. You know, you don't want to have to put Jeremiah Searles back in a left guard and move Remmers back out to right tackle just because you're worried about an outside matchup because I think that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike Zimmer said it just as much yesterday that essentially they kind of do the same things that the Vikings do with um, Tom Johnson, Linville Joseph, and Shamar Stefan, who, as we mentioned, is out. Uh, but, like, the Vikings, you know, in, in, on offense, they see that in practice all the time. So they're prepared for it. It's just a matter now of knowing, um, you know, who you're going to be going up against. So I would say in terms of the offensive tackle matchup if we're talking about Riley Reef and presumably Rashad Hill I think that the you know the Eagles you know edge rushers or defensive ends are probably going to have the advantage there um Brandon Graham is a monster um as we mentioned and you know you know creating pressure he's really good against the run and I think that you know that's definitely going to play a factor in some pressure on Case Keenum. Now, on the interior of the offensive line, I think it's no question. I think you automatically give that to the Eagles here. Yeah. It's because of Fletcher Cox. I mean, um, I really wish I would have been around in Mississippi when he was dominating and eating people alive at Yazoo City High School. Because uh, I've heard the stories of just like what a freak of nature athletically this kid was. And it's amazing when you trace that, when you trace his story through 
you know, from high school to Mississippi State to the NFL. I mean, there's a reason he's getting paid as much as he is. Yeah, it's fun. That's a, a hobby for somebody to go on YouTube and find some of the high school highlights for some of these NFL players. I mean, I've never checked Everson Griffins, but if you look on his Wikipedia page, it's got his stats where he, like, ran for 2,000 yards and had 20 yeah. sacks in, like, 10 games. <laughs> it's just, like, can you – I just imagine people just bouncing off Everson Griffin having no chance to possibly bring him down. Um, well, I mean, shoot, he played Gunner. Don't you remember yeah. Aaron Rodgers was freaking out about him, how awesome he was four years ago when he was on the punt team? Yeah, um, that's just he was that's crazy. For punts, bro, like it's amazing. I mean, you look. I think he ran a four five seven. I mean, for a guy of that size, it's just it's just outrageous. Um, before we move on to the wide receivers, uh, I want to let our listeners know about the Purple Podcast Big game special edition powered by sprint when it comes to the week of the big game judd and i will be talking about all things associated with it and we want to thank sprint for their partnership of this special edition podcast to learn how you can get sprints incredible unlimited plan that includes hulu visit a local sprint store today sprint works for me Uh, all right wide receivers tight ends I mean, this is the thielen and Diggs show assuming though courtney that adam thielen is 100 percent Yeah, I mean, that's – I think you and I discussed it, kind of trying to figure out where the play was that he potentially got hurt. In watching back on the film, I think it's that sideline catch. I think Um, so, yeah. Just because – the one where Mike Zimmer, you know, comes and gives him a congratulatory pat on the leg. um, The leg? Was it the leg? The leg, maybe the behind. Maybe the um, upper leg? The upper leg, the thigh, the thigh. Um, (laughs) But uh, he landed on his stomach because I felt like uh, when they – threw in a double coverage um when Thielen went up and high pointed that ball I think a helmet went into his back mm-hmm. on um coming down and he landed on his stomach so a little slow to get up there um and he, you know you take a look at that and you're kind of wondering okay you know is he going to be able to play at full strength is he maybe going to be 70 percent 80 percent and it's just you know you take a look at these at, at, at this matchup particularly where you know, I do think, of course, the Vikings wide receivers have the have the advantage, no doubt, because this is a game, too, where Stephon Diggs can burn guys with his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of those things, I mean, he's such a tremendous route runner anyway, is that you can put Buffalo right seven heaven, you know, <laughs> two, you know, threefold here. And in, in by running those deep corner routes on uh, the Eagles cornerbacks, because I think he's going to be able to, you know, get separation obviously and beat him with the speed. And, and one area that the Vikings are very strong is they have a couple of guys that just tend to show up every once in a while and make big plays. And that's David Morgan and yeah. Jarius Wright. And, and I mean, maybe if things play out a little differently, we're talking about Jarius Wright as the hero because he had two huge catches in that game, especially one on the late drive. Uh, and you know. you'd be talking about uh, Michael Floyd potentially as the hero because he could have had that touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and, and being able to rotate those guys in is is a big help. But on the other side with Philadelphia, it's not like now they have a quarterback who can maximize the talent that they have, but it's not like they're a bunch of schmoes. I mean, I think Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Pro Football yeah. Focus had him at, at sixth. And, you know, it, it hasn't happened this year. But last year, this Vikings defense did occasionally get burned in the middle of the field by tight ends. And I wonder if Philadelphia is thinking, all right, if we've got one shot 
against this great Vikings defense that's probably going to shut down our receivers, it might be going to Zach Ertz. Yeah, but I also think that Anthony Barr is, you know, he's one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. Like, does he have the size and, you know, the speed to deal with him? Sure. I I don't think that's as much. I, I've heard that before, like just with, you know, obviously the stats right there and, and specifically with tight ends uh, and, and how good Ertz has been this season. But this one, I you know, I don't think this is as clear cut and decided as some of the other matchups, I mean, among the passing game, just because, you know, yeah, Ertz is good too. He can block. He's, you know, really effective in that way. But, you know, Barr is, play, Barr is kind of in that progression right now at the end of the season where he's playing – out of his mind. Um, and I think that they, he's definitely the best matchup for the Vikings here defensively. And it's just going to be a matter too of, you know, where, you know, is Philadelphia going to want to like, you know, like I guess kind of what Jacksonville was talking about today. Are they going to want to just go, you know, ground and pound football or whatever, um, whatever they were talking about where, you know, overload jumbo package, two tight end sets, whatever they have to do to be able to smash the Vikings defense in the mouth of the line, that might be the way to go. But I think that Ertz and um, Barr, I mean, that's a good matchup right there. I know I've said that about three of these, but I actually really like that one. That might be my new favorite. It's one of the best things about this game is just how close the matchups are. But I got to say the last 30 seconds of you talking about big, heavy packages and all that. I mean, that was the most football you've ever sounded (laughs) in your life. There's no more football than you will ever be or have ever been. We can. Would you like to? Would you like to? um, We can talk about. I mean, we could definitely like do a film review or something about like breaking down some of the Vikings jumbo packages with Aviante Collins if you want to. Man, it's that time of year. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly is. Wait wait until if they go to a if they you know knock on wood because I know I'm going to get like crucified for this like for putting it into the ether. Um, But if they were to go to the Super Bowl, can you realize like how much more? like of that type of stuff we're going to end up talking about for the next two weeks, because we're just out of things to talk about. And, we've talked about it all. And, and honestly, bringing in Aviante Collins on some plays, it might happen because that defensive line is so good. You might see them decide to do that, go with the two tight ends and him. And it could be a factor with trying to get the run game going. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you went full football, which is, well, which I, is great. Gonna, don't, don't you dare steal my idea to write the 5,000-word Aviante Collins jumbo package feature ahead of this game. I actually need to get off the podcast now so I can go report that. <laughs> uh, somebody has to. I would say, uh, by the way, moving on from all this, uh, the guy to watch, the you know, if Jarius Wright is the underrated mm-hmm. or underappreciated guy who comes through in big times, Trey Burton would be that one for – the Eagles that every so often he just shows up and I, he has five touchdowns this year. And he's a guy that um, I don't think gets any sort of pub for that. So we covered the offensive lines. we covered the, well, who do you think has the advantage? Cause I give it to the Vikings, but not by a million miles for the offensive line for the uh, wide receivers and tight ends. Oh yeah, definitely. I think the Vikings for sure. I think their cornerbacks, uh, the Eagles cornerbacks have gotten better. Uh, in the in the last few weeks, you know, even, you know, what they did against Julio Jones last week, not saying about the slip and all that, but just really containing him throughout the game. Um, but this is, you know, they're such good route runners and they're so fast. And, 
you know, I think that Mills and Darby are probably going to have a little bit of issues with that. So, um, you know, they, they have before when they face speedy guys and, you know, receivers who have no issue, you know, tricking you at the line of scrimmage and creating separation that, uh, you know, but just it's going to you're really going to if you're a Vikings fan, you're hoping that Adam Thielen's back issue is nothing serious and that um, you know, to even see his name on the injury report, I'm sure gives a lot of people pause this week. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. I mean, I think uh, missing practice on Wednesday sent Vikings fans into a cold sweat because um, they they would be terrified if, if he was out. And I would expect him to play, but even being questionable on the injury report uh, does give you some concern. If he's out, I change my mind. Then I think that Philadelphia has the deeper group of weapons, but I don't think he's going to be out. So on the, yeah. on the defensive lines, the, the interesting thing to me is the rotation and just the depth of players on Philadelphia's side, as opposed to the Vikings. Tom Johnson is going to have to play this whole game. I would guess he's going to play a lot with Shamar Stefan not playing. So you know, who do you think has the advantage here, or is there one? I mean, I see it as just, this is just heavyweights. I mean, this is just yeah. Tyson Holyfield if somebody didn't bite off somebody's ear. Honestly, that would make this. They would. That would probably make this game even better. Like if someone's ear got bitten off. That. I'm not trying to like incite <laughs> a riot. Or that, that's going to happen with the Eagles fans, I think. Yeah, with the dog mask, they're just going to bite off the plastic ears um, of those. But um, God, that's going to be creepy. Uh, we should talk about that, anyways. Um, you're right. Like, I mean, the road. I, I think just with the biggest takeaway I had when asking Mike Zimmer about this yesterday was just how similar it is and how big of a detriment uh, it is for them to have Shamar Steppen, who was probably still already battling through that ankle injury. Um, you know, that they're, the reason that Zimmer gave last week in, in not making Teddy Bridgewater active is because he needed another defensive lineman because he knew, you know, with Shamar Steffen, um, that, you know, he wasn't 100%. And then, well, you get the knee injury and he can barely walk. He had to be helped off the field, I believe, by Lindell Joseph. Um, that makes Joseph and Tom Johnson's day a lot more difficult. And it's kind of like, well, hey, Jaleel Johnson, you know, welcome to the NFL. Like, this is your moment. He has not played a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I can't even, I mean, outside of, you know, last week, I mean, there's only a handful of, you know, snaps, I think under 100 and. 80 maybe total by the end of the regular season that he had played um a lot of that's in special teams too so you know that's going to be a really tough a tough rotation uh because obviously you know with with joseph and you know going off the field on a lot of third down situations um you know in in the way that stefan has been able to you know be such a complimentary piece of that interior push that they get um you know I wouldn't expect to see any sacks come from the interior part of the line and, and you know, getting to the quarterback, but they've got to be able to hold those guards, um, you know, in their place and, you know, try to maybe even sneak over and, you know, grab Ajayi or whomever is going to be running the ball if they decide to go through, you know, the B gap and, you know, Linville Joseph's right there. That's huge. Uh, but to switch over, I'm actually, I was pulling up the numbers out of the, uh, the game book from uh, last week. I want to make sure that I had that correct with the Eagles, um, you know, with, um, with Fletcher Cox. And now my eyes are going past me because I'm not tired. Here we go. It's Fletcher Cox. They said, yeah, 90% of defensive snaps. And then, 
you know, with uh, Timmy Jernigan in there too, 46% of snaps, and Bo Allen, 41% of snaps. I mean, they have such a dominant rotation where these guys are, you know, you're playing more than half, the, you know, essentially half the game if you want to just round up there, and they're still able to generate pressure, and they're still able to, you know, they frustrated Matt Ryan last week. I mean, outside of that last drive where, you know, the Falcons bit themselves like they were really really causing him some problems and you know that's going to be some pretty tough news you know definitely a, t- a tough matchup for Case Keenum uh knowing that that guy those guys are coming right at him do you think that with Shamar out it gives this the, the ever so slight edge to the Eagles on the defensive line even as good as the Vikings are because I would have normally said Vikings, Jaguars, Eagles have the best three defensive lines in the NFL and like don't even try to mm. break down who's best or who's not best. Like, they're just all even. They're all the best. Take away one complimentary piece with the fact that Philadelphia's team is entirely healthy up there and maybe the slight edge goes to them, especially with the Vikings offensive line missing Nick Easton here. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that that's... Um... You know, that's a huge, huge loss. I mean, yeah, he's a complimentary piece, but he's a big complimentary piece to what they're able to do, um, you know, on third down and in the rotation that they have, you know, in, in the passing game. And, I mean, you take a look at what the Eagles have done against the run, which is another reason I just don't think that they're, you know, any team is going to really run the ball all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I give the advantage to the Eagles here because that – is, you know, and they're, you know, potentially, I mean, you, in some situations, maybe include their linebackers in there that you give the advantage to, because I think, you know, they're healthy, they've got a good thing going. And, you know, they're, you know, I agree with you, they're one of the best front sevens, that whole unit in the NFL, not just a defensive line. Um, and it is tough to pick apart and, and try to figure out, okay, who's better. But when this comes down to injuries, I mean, you know, how that's how serious stuff is, like where, you know, the, the margin of error between, you know, good and bad and what happens and, you know, something, yeah, something good or bad happening is that, then it's, yeah, I think you got to go to the Eagles. So linebackers and secondary. And then, you know, for this episode, we're not going to skip the special teams because oh, some, no, things went, some things went wrong on them special teams. teams. Um, but for the uh, linebackers and secondary, do you think Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills can handle Thielen and Dix? I think that's the big question here because the rest are probably pretty even. Both teams yeah. have very good linebackers who can cover and are quick. They, uh, Philadelphia is a good nickel corner, and they have a great safety in Malcolm Jenkins. To me, that's what it, this really comes down to in the passing attack for the Vikings. Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills versus the two Vikings receivers. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, Thig, I'm very like Figs and Dylan. That's how. <laughs> that's where my brain is going at this point. You got tomorrow um, off, or are you still gonna still gonna yeah, be working on stuff? Yeah, it's it's a lot. I need <laughs> I need to sleep. I've been doing. I've the candle is burned. It yeah. is not even working at both ends. That's burned to a crisp. Anyways, um, I think that you just kill them with some. Re- you dial up some really cool, you know, really tricky routes on them because these two are the best at doing that, and you know. They have a lot of issues with guys who are very fast and very physical, um, you know, and they've had that problem, you know, as, as I said, against Atlanta, like they were able to contain them early on. But, you know, any other game where that game's not played outdoors and receivers are slipping and you have all those other elements to throw into it, I think it's a different story. Um, 
you know, to me, I do think that, you know, they, if I'm giving, well, what, what are we going over? We're going over cornerbacks. Yes, and, yes. Which, no, but like, I, you know, I'm still giving, I'm still giving the advantage to the Vikings wide receivers for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that in the past we might have talked about how, well, they're going to try to attack Trey Wayans and he's going to be the weakness, yeah. but in, in this case, that, that's no more. The one guy that I could see them going after that I think the Saints did last week is, well, A, if Anthony Harris is playing instead of Andrew Sandejo, you could see that because that's still unclear. Um, but really, Terrence Newman. I mean, Terrence Newman had the foot issue, and he was a full <laughs> participant in practice. But if that is still lingering, then we could see them going after Terrence Newman. Well, yeah, and I also think that, you know, you hope in the circumstances that Xavier Rhodes able to be in the game because he wasn't when Michael Thomas on that second touchdown. I mean, Terrence Newman, it felt like he was like, you know, 10 yards back. <laughs> but he was at the other he was at the other corner of the end zone uh, when, he, when uh, Breeze was able to hit Thomas over mm-hmm. the middle for that touchdown. I worry about Mackenzie Alexander after that fourth and 10 conversion because that was the play that they could have had made that stop to, to win the game. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to, you know, depending upon how that nickel rotation looks, if they're trying to pick at him too. Yep, and he's got the rib issue. He's questionable, I and guess. He had, he had an illness today too, which I thought was kind of interesting. It, it took me, um, you know, I had to like look at the injury report on that, that, you know, apparently he must be dealing with, um, you know, whatever – Whatever illness is going around, Michael Floyd had it yesterday. Uh, he was back. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Yeah, and that's certainly something you don't want is an illness going through the locker room just days before the NFC Championship. Now, uh, so w- what do we think about that then? I mean, I-, I still give the advantage to the Vikings in the secondary, even if Anthony Harris has to play. Um, but uh, where-, where do you stand on who has the advantage? I, th- I think it's the Vikings secondary, and I just don't – I mean, look at look at Andrew Sandejo. I don't think he's going to end up having to sit this one out. I think he would. You know, people say like, cut your leg off if like your leg yeah. broke. Yeah. play. I don't. I. What do you? I, I mean, there's you can't cut your head off, but I mean, like, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, Mike Zimmer said earlier in the week he'll be fine. Um, so I just anticipate that you know if they can keep him healthy and if he doesn't have any sort of issues in this game, that they're going to have, as you mentioned, you know. Stacking both of those two, you know, throwing them up in the box and, and causing issues from, you know, up the field. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to generate much of a passing game because Nick Foles hasn't done it in, you know, since taking over for Carson Wentz. Um, that's going to be tough. Yeah, and really good quarterbacks end up looking average at times. Not in the second half of last week's game, but in the first half for sure for Drew Brees against yeah. the uh, Vikings secondary. Okay. The amount of sorry, jump on that. The amount of stuff is we've talked about all year long that Harrison Smith does pre-snap to throw quarterbacks off. Do you think Nick Foles has seen that? Like outside of the film, I mean, I'm trying to think. You know, going back to last week and you know the Dallas game, I don't think you can really. And they pulled him after the first quarter, so no, I don't think. I think he has not seen um, a safety that's that versatile and can drop into coverage and, and really, really trick you into throwing interceptions and, and even Aaron Rodgers has trouble with that and he's seen Harrison Smith how many times and it's still when you, it, it happens that he'll have issues with where Harrison Smith lines up pre-snap but the last thing here <laughs> uh, <laughs> is I, I want you to explain how Jeff Overbaugh special teamer long snapper nearly cost the Minnesota Vikings a playoff game against the New Orleans Saints 
Well, I mean, if you're if you're taking a look at the whole thing, um, Kai Forbath, you could essentially say almost cost them the game too because yeah. how much did that? I mean. I think that the Vikings went into the locker room after that missed 49 yarder that didn't really go wide left, but it went wide enough left that it, it strikes some fear of God in you that, Oh my <laughs> gosh, like, please don't have this be a repeat. Um, because you know, that had, had they won the game, had they not won the game, I mean, Will Lutz hits that field goal and it's, um, you know, 24, 23 and you would have been up if you had a field goal, but, you know, not I'm not blaming Kai Forbath. I don't want like the haters to come out and be like, "You hate special teams." No, I love <laughs> special teams. Um, special. I've always told people that you love special teams. It's one of the reasons that uh, you're so good at your job. Thank you. It's that, that pure, that, that really pure passion for special teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. So, which, which is why it pains. I can't even say this with a straight face. It's why it pains me that it may have been the new long snapper that on that blocked punt. Um, it definitely wasn't Ryan Quigley. Um, it, it sounds like Overball ran the wrong way on uh, his assignment, which led to the block. It definitely read that way from what Mike Prefer said, special teams coach. And how how Vikings would that have been if the backup long snapper that they had to bring in after Kevin McDermott, who's been just amazing at it for a while now, for a couple of years now. I mean, that they've got just a random thing that he gets hurt in green Bay. They've got to go to the backup. And then all of a sudden he's the reason that they get a punt blocked and lose in the playoffs. But uh, nobody was happier than Overbaugh, I'm sure when <laughs> uh, Stefan Diggs went into the end zone. So I, I thought that people would enjoy that uh, little bit of, uh, almost history, I guess I would say. So, well, here's what Prefer said about it. I'm looking at the quote sheet. Okay. Um, after a lengthy opening statement, <laughs> um, Q, what happened on the block punt? A, yes, I knew that was coming. That was a good. That was a good question. It was it. It was nothing <laughs> New Orleans did. It was an easy scheme. Was it? They're pretty. They're pretty good on the punt rush, as is Philadelphia. So we've been working on that this week. We had a guy go the wrong way, to be honest with you. It's never happened. It's a pretty simple explanation. He went the wrong way, and that can't happen again. Well, it's never happened before because he just got here. Right, like, right. I mean, that's – can you imagine the scapegoat of, you know, like you and I talked about earlier today, the uh, Peyton, Peyton Manning, uh, Mike Vanderjack, our stupid kicker-like yeah. type uh, scapegoat. Poor Jeff Overbaugh. That would – He'd never get another job if, if if that happened. And, you know, yeah, you're right. Nobody was pr- – I'm surprised he didn't just gun his way down to the end zone to go hug Stephon Diggs for letting him off the hook. Yeah, I'll never stop thinking about that game and all the what-ifs. Does K- what, Case Keenum with the interception and how do we look at him the, the very next day? How are we talking about him? And then the Jeff Overball game is how it may have gone down once that story <laughs> came out because I'm sure that Mike Zimmer – uh, wouldn't be able to keep that to himself. So um, before I let you go, you got a pack for Philadelphia. I do. Wait, we're, we're done talking about the overball game? I think so, yeah. I think that we've probably spent more time on the long snapper than I've ever spent talking about a long snapper in my entire <laughs> life. Um, so what's what's the prediction here? I have the Vikings winning 21-19. Um, I do think it's a... Overball once- redemption. 
Over our redemption game, uh, this is going to be where he redeems himself and walks off the field a hero. <laughs> With your, um, what's the the movie we were talking about? Oh yeah, yeah the uh, t- Tony the Tony Danza movie, <laughs> uh, where he played the kicker of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the movie, this is a real thing. The movie was called the Garbage Picking Field Goal Kicking <laughs> Philadelphia Phenomenon. That's a real thing. Garbage That's picking gonna... field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. That, that could very easily be Kai Forbath by the time <laughs> it's all said and done. because Minus the it, garbage picking. Garbage, yeah. Obviously, I mean, he, he's got a real job. He's 30 years old. He's been doing this for a while. Like, he's not like some guy that is grabbed off the street. He's, he's an NFL a man. Picker. He's 30. He's, <laughs> exactly. Um, I just, you know, it, it seems to me like this could very easily become a field goal game again, given the field conditions, given – you know, the the nighttime aspect of it as well. They're going on the road. It's going to be insane. Um, you know, if Case Keenum starts struggling early, I think the question is, do they turn to Sam Bradford, assuming he's the quarter, the backup quarterback? Do they go into this game with three quarterbacks? Can they do that? Because they're going to need to get more, uh, you know, defensive line depth uh, to, to help out with some of that rotation. So there's a lot of factors here, but I do think that the Vikings are the better team, um, you know, when it's all said and done, because they do have the difference here at quarterback. I think that Case Keenum is a much better quarterback than Nick Foles. He was in Los Angeles, uh, you know, with the Rams, and I think that that's no different now. And plus, the Vikings didn't just suffer the loss of Sam Bradford in Week 14 or whatever right. it was. Like they, this is the this is the offense. It's not a replacement offense. This is the offense that they've had all season long, essentially. I am with everything you said, and same prediction. Only I'll go fourteen to nine. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty. That sounds. Like, that sounds like a great grinded out. Yep. Round and pound jumbo package s three tight end set football game. And I'm hoping that it rains because <laughs> then God, just, I need you. I don't want that. I yeah. don't want that. It will just add to the, the the sloppy football. They resodded the field, thank goodness, but it's still going to be messy with these two teams. So I think uh, we're on the same page there that it's going to be a, a low-scoring game but a grind fest, and uh, the Vikings should come out on top. So, well, let me say that um, people should check out your article on Pat Elfline if they haven't done that because he's going to play a very important game uh, uh, part in this game. So I'm sure that that's somewhere in your Twitter or people can find that on ESPN. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that the other day. I mean, it's, you know, as, as you and I have pleaded his case forever, I mean, it, it's it kind of sucks that he plays center because he should be in the conversation for rookie of the year. Because, I mean, it's it's awesome now that, you know, he's getting on all of these, you know, all rookie teams, mm-hmm. got on the pro, pro football writers of America, uh, did one the other day, and I'm sure there will be more because – you cannot understate the importance of Pat Elfline in the regenesis of um, of this offensive line. You know, it started with the offensive tackle spots. Rick Spielman deserves, you know, a nice, you know, a nice pat on the back, essentially, or maybe, you know, maybe maybe a bottle of red wine. Maybe Mike Zimmer will buy him a bottle of red <laughs> wine for getting this dude in the third round. He was still there for some reason. So, I mean, it's you know, it's nothing shy of you know, remarkable what he's done in his contributions this year. And you're right. He's going to, God, he's going to be in for a long day. If you thought Aaron Donald was tough, this is going to be a very uphill battle. Yeah. They can thank the rest of the teams for not drafting Pat Elfline too. So, uh, well, so anyway, make sure you check that out. And uh, we will be 
especially if the Vikings win, going all in on Purple Podcast for the next uh, few weeks as well. And, of course, Judd and I will be there in Philadelphia to react on the Purple Podcast right after the game. So, as always, thank you, Courtney, and thank you all for listening.